You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Scott Lyall. Scott, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Scott, we're talking on April 21st in 2022. Uh, what's happening in your studio at the moment? There's so much I'd like to talk about in, in relationship to your work and process. Uh, but what what are you working on in your studio or exploring at the moment? So these days I'm I'm really coming off the past couple of years of uh, being locked in the studio and kind of being involved in a retrospection on myself, you know, kind of um, using a lot of the time to figure out what I already did and, and organizing archives and stuff like that. And uh, and what's come out of that is a um, is a current, I guess, uh, arc of production that um, that has to do with uh, work that I uh, that I well, what, let me. How am I going to put this? The work. Well, that in, in, I'm, in looking, in looking, in looking. Sorry to interrupt, but you're looking. You're looking over past work, almost like the way uh, a retrospective works. But this this period you're you're talking about is coming out of reflection on on past work and processes and, and different bodies of work. Yeah, and uh, and reflection because reflection is a good term because reflection has been one of the major emphases of the work I've done over the past couple of years. Um, that work has involved uh, mirror as a um, basically a set of material processes uh, that have always been a part of what painting is, and that uh, but that in a way you know extend painting outside itself and into uh, and into um, sort of broader discursive and social context. Um, so reflection, yes, uh, and reflection particularly on. Um, on a kind of painting I've been doing with uh, that involves the color gold and it involves nanotechnology in the form of a particular paint that uses uh, nanoparticles of gold as the pigmenting uh, dimension as opposed to the medium. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that if we can, because that's fascinating to me, um, like the nanotechnology with gold, if, if we can, because there's, of course, a... Um, there's a, a technology for black that's that's is, is that related that uh, I think Amish Kapoor used a, a type yeah. of black that's a, that's it, does that relate to this kind of um, level of, of pigment or, or what is it exactly that's happening? So yeah, it does because the uh, the nanoscale is accessed by what I've used and what Amish Kapoor used with that um, with the black. Um, material that he was given a, a right to use exclusively. Um, it has to do with the nanoscale uh, of matter, or sort of, which is um, obviously subvisible and is defined as uh, a million divisions or a billion divisions per meter. Uh, so a nanoscale paint like I'm using or what he's using uh, suggests the idea of a pixelated space that's divided by a billion per meter. Um, and that's invisible. So that's, or, or subvisible, as the scientists say, which is sort of interesting that they spatialize it that way. But uh, uh, so it means that 
the material you're using, though it may have effects, uh, doesn't have effect as itself. In other words, it doesn't announce itself as a material, uh, but it enters or is part of a process, and you're part of that process, uh, and effects can be can be developed out of it. So the, the black one has to do with absorbing. It has to do with sort of cone-shaped uh, structures of nanomaterial that absorb light in. Uh, and the material that I use, which is gold nanoparticle, um, actually is, uh, it kind of looks like mercury, but it's invisible and it causes, uh, instead of absorption, it, re- it causes uh, refraction and diffraction, and so it causes a very slight blur. Okay, so let me so, so, so stop for a minute because this is it's really interesting, right? This kind of visual phenomena. I mean, I mean, just to be clear, what you're saying, what, what happened in the, the, that black that we're talking about is it's it's not a color the way we think of color. It's it's a it's kind of an absence of color. It's a, it's a molecular structure that's not allowing light to escape, so it becomes the kind of uh, deepest black or the or the the absence almost of all color, right? We're, we're mm. talking about uh, a specific um, way of seeing. As, as you said, I mean, just to be really clear about this, there's the, the viewer is taking part of it. It's not as though it is a color. It has to do with the way our, our, our perception works. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, with the black you're talking, I think about a... Um, it isn't so much the absence of color. It's the absence of... It's the absence of a visibility that would be considered noisy. So the reason for that black material is to coat instruments and make them less likely to produce noise when they're probing into something else. Um, Anishka Porsita diverts that into a spectacularization of, you know, what what matters to him in his work as a sculptor, which is, you know, I guess questions about form and void and something like that. Uh, in my case, with the with the gold nanoparticle, it's it's more likely to be found in medical imaging, or in uh, in, in cosmetics, uh, and because its function is refractional, um, because it's about dispersing light, it's actually generative of colors. Because when um, this is, you know when an electron sort of sparks on the uh, nanoparticle and is kind of displaced by that particle, the effect for us phenomenologically is color. Um, so mine is a progenitor of colors um, compared to that idea of trying to produce a sort of an ideal um, phenomenological experience of its absence. And, and, and how does it become gold? You talked about a, a blurring effect, right? So, so what's happening yeah. in terms of so it's made of physicality? Of that... It's made of gold. It's, kind of, it's a process that takes uh, gold and, and sort of pulverizes it into this, um, at this level uh, of particularity, at this kind of very, very fine invisible or subvisible granularity. Uh, and in my case, that means that I can add it to a medium uh, and declare that I have a paint um, because, because the nanoparticle is providing the function of uh, the same kind of function that pigment provides to paint, uh, but it's doing so by opening up the possibility of creating a sort of refracted blur uh, in the visual field. Which is, which is different than, for example, iridescent colors, right? Where, um, it's different. It may have, yeah. yeah. 
it is different. It's a little bit different, although the, the sort of similar um, similar ideas are involved. Iridescence is going to also has to do with uh, with you know sort of molecular interaction with with the light source. Um, it doesn't require uh, the nanoscale. And um, so this is it's, it's kind of I want to talk about just how you're using this perhaps, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to talk about this because this is, um, as much as we're talking about a medium, this is a, a kind of, you know, feels like it has the ring of an ancient alchemical process. We're using, <laughs> using gold, you know, uh, painters are kind of alchemists in a way, artists. And, yeah. and, and is there that level of it? Am I stretching there? Or, or, or I mean, it, it's something that, you could it's a reverie that it's not really what i i'm doing you know um i think that that's something that some people have kind of thought about i refer to like the name of the paint that i produced by mixing a medium with the nanoparticle gold is talent um which is a little more mundane than um than you know uh turning turning uh, iron into gold or something like that. Uh, but talent is a, is a, you know, is a loaded term in um, particularly contemporary or you know, sort of post postmodern art. But, um, but it also is uh, an old word for the quantity of gold or the quantity of precious metal in the coin. Um, and so that, by calling it talent, I'm referring to the fact that, uh, that the paint is utilizing a quantity of gold, a very, very tiny, um, physically or sort of sensuously indetectable quantity of gold uh, to nonetheless produce a, uh, a painterly effect. So let's, let's talk about what's, what's being produced then in your, in your studio. This is, the, this is the process, and this is a process that's come out of, as you say, looking back on your, on your work and, of, you know, that, that's moved around these... Um, issues for for many years what is it that you're making now if we can discuss that uh how 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 are you using this uh, talent so to speak <laughs> uh so uh, the uh i'm the first component is that i am uh working to complete a set of painting-like objects or painting analogs, I sometimes call them, um, that, uh, that are using this paint in a particular way in relationship to a mirrored surface. Um, when I develop a particular process or a particular work that's sort of under a term uh, like talent, uh, I tend to then define the work that follows as a kind of a population um, instead of a series or instead of some kind of just sort of, you know, repetitive thing. And, and by population, what I mean is that you basically um, to generate something very much like the same object a number of times and do that um, with the understanding that the, that the, the limit is when you start to, recognize contradictions in what you're doing um, so there's a novelty at the beginning which is very um, energetic and this is like super exciting to inhabit that um, and I do think you inhabit materials you know I don't, I don't think that I ex that one expresses oneself through materials I think that you um, 
materials are kind of like what used to be imagined with a digital glove, you know, like in gaming or something. Like you have to actually put your hand into the glove of the material and then your hand and your brain and your eye and the material and all of the knowledge or technology that's gone into that um, starts producing. So the population comes from that kind of uh, aggregated producer. Uh, and it continues until I realize there are contradictions or there are traps or something is becoming kind of institutionalized and easy. Uh, and at that case, the population um, ends. The, the, the sort of the lineage dies out. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a generation that doesn't procreate and, uh, and then I move on. So, um, so now I'm, I'm involved in that population. I'm still doing that uh, where the talents are concerned. And, um, and beyond that, my reflection has been on what introduced me to the nanomaterial, and that was working with a, uh, a physicist um, here in Canada, someone is, who um, gets A grants and does very interesting work in, in uh, optical physics and who happens to be one of my good friend's mothers. Um, so the, the relationship there is kind of quotidian or sort of organic or something. Um, and she has been, I guess, the most helpful in, help, in understanding what it is to sort of parse reality in this level um, and what physics is actually kind of doing um, by, um, in, kind of, in creating you know, the nanoscale. There's a theory, but then science kind of creates it. Uh, and then human beings kind of occupy it in the same way I was talking about putting your hand in a digital glove. Um, so this is where I'm, you know, there's very speculative things and it's not, uh, it's not sort of generating daily sketch pads full of, you know, full of little pictures and diagrams, but, uh, but that's what I'm, I'm really trying to understand right now. It's, that, that's really fascinating. And this, of course, um, just to put it in the context of, of all the work you're, you're, you've done in the past, or at least the past several years, this holds um, a particular place in that uh, though it's, I mean, I, I like the way you talk about population, right, as, as opposed to like the extension of a body of work, but this fits into a, a specific place within what you've been, what you've been working on in, in terms of populating other, uh -huh. um, other other ideas or, 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 or experiments, right? You've, you're, you're moving to a different area now because of this gold or because of the way you're working? It's, it's, I, I know maybe I'm, I'm pushing the idea of is this, mm -hmm. is this coming out of the other work or is this evolving? And perhaps, as you say, it's, it's, it's you know, that, that um, something has already resolved there and, and this is entirely new. Or, or, or do you see it specifically within the context of what you've been doing? Because as, as, as we started off this conversation, you were talking about looking back on, on all of this, on all of this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I have a lot of faith in, um, in like a sort of continuous unfolding evolution, like where one thing leads to another thing by implication, and the, you know. Um, but I do also, or I also have no interest in kind of one-off scripted 
kind of post-conceptual practice. You know, I, had, I really stopped um, really early in my, in my uh, experience with being an artist. I uh, rejected the idea that, um, that, you know, the artist is a source of sort of an interesting scripted observation that, that you would carry out because um, it, simply, you know, because it presents itself and, and, and then we just kind of look at the, um, the object output as, uh, as secondary or as a sort of exemplary of that scripting process. So um, I guess what that means is sort of neither evolution uh, nor just sort of social construction on a script or whatever. I guess it means some kind of a third path that, um, that again, I think is really just about the... Um, sort of the movement of artistic subjectivity with the materials that are available and that's contingent you know i like i'm very important for me to tell you that i was introduced to nanomedia through um the scientist who's my mother's friend because that um happened you know and it's because of that contingency the work that i was doing um was able to really shift to incorporate all of the kind of knowledge that's active in nanomedia uh, without my having to know it, um, but at the same time without simply being a user producing a plausible image with it, you know? Um, the interesting thing about the scientists is that they thought, and scientists, I mean, she's got a lab with a bunch of postdocs and everything, uh, and their idea about art was that, well, you know, you, you would use our technology to make an image. Um, and meaning sort of give us a photograph and we'll develop how to present it in nanotechnology. And I was like, no, it's not what I uh, would ever want to do. I mean, I have to, I have to find out how um, sort of installing my own desire, I guess, within the logic of what you guys have set up produces something that would surprise you too, you know? Um, and that isn't just sort of act as a proof of your own process. Um, well, that might all sound a little rangy and abstract, but I guess, as I said, that's no, no, I mean, no. Kind that, of sounds, a, that, sounds, that, that sounds really clear. That's interesting, um, uh, and it and it differentiates. You know, instead of talking just about in the context of your own work, we're talking about the context of your of your practice and also how how you're approaching everything. So, um, so I feel like I should ask. Then there is there is exactly what you're what you're saying now, which, which differentiates from what even the scientists thought, like, are you going to make an image? No, you're, 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 not, you're not working that way. Um, yet there, there is a, a viewer experience in the end, right? At, at, at some point, these works are in a, a gallery, potentially, or somewhere yep. where, where there's a viewer experience and, um, and they don't know much about the nanotechnology. And yet it seems that there's, as we're discussing, all these layers in here of, of, of what's seen and, and how it's seen, and, and then there's the viewer. So um, can, we, can we speak about the viewer experience a little bit after, after all this? What, mm -hmm. what are you, um, yeah, creating for the viewer, or what do you imagine the viewer experience will be? Um, it's always difficult because when you imagine a viewer or imagine an addressee, you always, I find that I always over-imagine it. Um, and I start to think about some 
incredibly generous person who wants to know the whole thing, you know, <laughs> my whole story and what, and that's not really what the viewer is, um, is being asked to do. Uh, for sure. I think that the artistic presentation or the sort of the exhibition of an object, uh, cuts out the dimension of scientific research. So that doesn't, that, that is not really part of the subject. It's kind of spectrally there and you want to sort of keep that in check so that it doesn't have a kind of a fetishizing thing. Um, I never say like I'm collaborating with scientists. I don't think that's what I do. I think that, um, the question is using a material that's made available to me as an artist. Um, and if I use it as an artist, I'm actually not appropriating from the scientists either because they have their own material and their own set of signifiers and nanotechnology is related to producing security features on a passport or on money. I think it has relationships to documenting NFTs and that sort of thing. Uh, and they, uh, they own all those patents. I don't take anything from them by diverting um, a certain piece of the puzzle into an aesthetic or an artistic question. Um, so the viewer uh, in the gallery is not given access to the scientist, although they can, be, um, they can be made aware that the science exists, and if that interests them, they can pursue that in the world. But, uh, you know, that's, that's not what I think my work is for. I think my work is for generating um, something kind of unscientific, which is the fact that the effects are sort of wonderful. Um, wonderful in a, liter in a literal sense, you know, that they, um, they're sort of groundless in their appearance. And um, because of that, they sort of stimulate wanting to think about why. Why, why the, why the wonderful? Why, I mean, if, if so, because you know, the other thing is that, is that with the, with the work that was directly based on the nano uh, imaging, the nanofoil, uh, you had to give it a moment. You had to actually step into the kind of house of geometry proposed by nanomedia and um, let the effect unfold because it's a moving image. Uh, that uh, is produced by the conjunction of the placement of the foil, the way it's etched, the way its particle basis is manipulated. Uh, so it looks like a little mirror, just to um, for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about. You'd walk in and you'd see something that looks like a little tarnished mirror, uh, and as you sort of move within its uh, the range of aspects suggested by the way it's hung, uh, there's a sort of a popping uh, image that of colors that looks kind of like, a, like they look like nebula or they look like sort of photos from the Hubble telescope or something like that, um, that are actually, that are actually just sort of these infinite performance of, performances of light in real time um, expressing or presenting as color. Uh, so people have to, uh, stop for that. They have to be, uh, they have to be the type of audience that is not so much concerned about reading the work as going, okay, what is it? You know, what, um, what kind of thing is this? What am I looking at? What, um, just what is it? And, uh, and that's what I mean. That's the basis that I think, um, 
opens up for anybody who's who does that and who finds himself interested um, the possibility that they can look into what it means scientifically or what it's there for scientifically uh, and who the figures involved are they can do that themselves um, but this is my work is held um, with my own concerns as an artist and I think that's um, you know that's a specific section or a, spe- a specific cut within the bigger subject. Thanks, Scott. That is cool. Yeah, um, I love hearing you talk about that, and I've I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I want to ask you one more question, which is off topic. What are you reading at the moment? Uh, gosh, well, I um, I recently finished a book that was. Um, I finished a book by reading in parts that's called Mimesis by Eric Auerbach. Uh, and the particular version, it's kind of a classical text, I guess. The particular version has an introduction by Edward Said that's really helpful. Um, and it's basically a sort of a set of case studies about how um, Mimesis, which is kind of a representation of reality, appears throughout a history of literary documents um and i read it because i was super interested in the book that's called esthesis that was by jacques Rancière, the french philosopher uh that was you know expressly based on the extending the notion of mimesis into an aesthetic realm um so it's it's a beautifully written book mimesis and you can um you can take it on holiday and read it on the beach you know but you could also sort of pour over it it's, i totally recommend it Thank you, Scott, and uh, thank you for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure. I just want to wish you well with your, with your studio and upcoming shows. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure for me, too. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>